turn with me if you are uh, if you have your Bibles um, to Hebrews chapter 10 19 through 25 therefore brethren having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast with the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are faithful. And God, you are a God of hope. And you have given us every hope we need in your Son, Jesus. And God, you prove your promises are true and worthy that we would just lean into them because of your faithfulness. So God, I pray that you would help us to see the hope that you give us in your son, Jesus, through your word tonight, that we would lean into this promise of who you are and what you've done for us in the gospel. That God, we would see you are a God, because you are a God of hope and you are a faithful God, you are worthy of our worship that God, we would worship you in spirit and in truth because of who you are and what you have given us through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. So God, would you be present in our uh, time of worship now that you would be the, the sole object of our worship now? That Lord, we would forget of everything else, everything else that we've experienced this day, anything that would be holding us down, weighing us down, that we would leave it aside and just focus on you. Focus on what you want to say to us in our lives right now. Teach us, Lord Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Does a young woman aspire to be a prostitute, to sell off her body to countless men? Does a religious man expect his way of life to lead him away from God, to wander from the very one he aims to please? Why is it that the woman finds a home in the brothel and the man finds comfort in the law? Are these not places of misplaced hope? Maybe I will find security in the arms of a lover. Or maybe I will find assurance in the praise of others. The good news is that true hope dines with both of these sinners. That is our sermon title for this evening. Hope dines with sinners. Hope dines with sinners. Let me pray for us. Oh God of hope, would you show yourself to be exactly who you are from the scriptures? God, speak through a story of hope to show us 
um, what it is you want us to see about yourself. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's read together Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50 say this. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors, one who, who owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this? Who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Our current series is called Stories of Hope. Uh, last week, Ozzie preached on the parable of the prodigal son. He did a wonderful job with, uh, with that text. It's a beautiful text. The story, this, that story gives us hope in that we saw sinners have a place to call home in the loving arms of our heavenly Father. Tonight, we have another story of hope. And just like any story, it has parts. It has acts, movements that, that bring the story along, carry it along. And the first act that we see in this story is act one. The woman interrupts dinner with an act of worship. The woman interrupts dinner with an act of worship. And we see this in verses 36 through 39. 
one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her, the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Jesus was known for eating and socializing with sinners and tax collectors. But it wasn't often that he was invited to eat with the Pharisees, the religious lawyers. Right? We see in the passage before this that he had actually rebuked them. So, why is it that one would invite him to dinner? Uh, well, we can assume that Jesus is eating with these Pharisees because they're trying to win him to their perspective, not really engage his perspective. You know, you kind of see that with the doubt in Simon's heart there in verse 39, don't you? If this man were a prophet? And then later on, the question they pose at the table, who is this that forgives sin? I don't think they're there to, to learn from Jesus. No, they're, to, they're there to tell Jesus like it is. But the dinner is divinely interrupted by a sinful woman. And I want you to notice something. The sinful woman's worship was inconvenient, costly, and messy. Her worship was inconvenient, costly, and messy. Now, her behavior here is obviously an act of worship. Uh, there are cultural elements to what she does, such as the washing of feet, but there is a humble attitude of the heart that transcends the original context and meets us right here where we are. This woman adored Jesus. She loved him. She's worshiping him. And we can safely assume that she had some exposure to Jesus before this point, although we, don't, we aren't told about that. We know Jesus had begun his teaching and healing ministry, and it is likely that this woman had heard the message of salvation and had received it in faith, or at least is in that process. And then we were given this beautiful moment in which she worships Jesus. Her worship is inconvenient in that she barged into the house of a Pharisee while they're eating. The audacity of that. She would have drawn all attention in the room to her act of worship, disrupting the meal and any conversation that was occurring at the time. Those at the table would have easily uttered the words in their heart, not here, right, not now. It was inconvenient. But her worship was also costly and that she brought with her an alabaster flask of ointment. Now, alabaster is a soft stone frequently used as a perfume container. If she was indeed a prostitute, as it is thought by many, 
this could possibly have been a payment from one of her clients. For her to use it in anointing Jesus is to say, this perfume is worth my body and I'm giving my body to worship Jesus. What does that sound like to you? It sounds a lot like Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to me. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Her, her worship is costly. And her worship is messy. Don't miss this. There is a genuine nature to her worship in that it is not pretty. She is weeping. She is expressing an emotion that cannot be contained. And she is using tears of substance, so much so that she is able to wash the feet of Jesus. Jesus walked around quite a bit in his teaching and healing ministry. So we have to imagine what shape his feet are in right now. They're likely very dirty. The hospitable thing to do for Simon would have been to have some type of water available for Jesus' feet to be washed. But we know that Simon failed in this cultural practice. So the woman wets the grimy feet of Jesus with her tears. She wipes them with her hair. She kisses them with her lips. Many in the room would have been repulsed by it, would have forcibly looked away from it. Her worship was messy. Some may say her worship was inappropriate. But Jesus would say it is entirely appropriate. Some might have said it was inappropriate. But what did Jesus think about it? Jesus would say it is entirely appropriate. What would he say about your worship? Would Jesus commend the way that you worship him to others? This might be strong language, but Jesus hated the way the Pharisees claimed to worship God. If you don't believe me, you can turn to Matthew chapter 23 because it's a whole chapter devoted to Jesus rebuking the Pharisees. And I'll give you at least a couple of verses from Matthew 23. In verses 27 and 28, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. The Pharisees' way of worship was exactly the opposite of the sinful woman. Her worship was inconvenient, costly, and messy. Their way of worship was orderly, showy, and clean. 
really crisp. The woman was worshiping Jesus and no one else. The Pharisees worshiped the opinions of others and cared only for themselves. Our worship of God should be honest and true and genuine. Not mere emotion, but not a formality either. We shouldn't care what other people around us think as we engage in worship. How we raise our hands or stay seated or put your face to the ground, kneel at the altar, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, sing out of tune, sing a a lyric too early, weep, pray, bow. All of it is directed toward God alongside one another. Our worship is an expression of what the Lord has done in us and through us with the gospel. So let it be genuine. Act two, Jesus teaches Simon about the love of those forgiven. Jesus teaches Simon about the love of those forgiven forgiven. We see this in verses 39 through 47. 39 through 47 say this. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, right then and there, he doubts Jesus. He would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering to him says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. And then he begins a parable. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, that's a day's wage, and the other 50 denarii. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Did you notice that Simon doubted Jesus? He said, if this guy was a prophet, prophet, he would know just how sinful this woman is. So in other words, she had a reputation around town. Yet Simon failed to see Jesus for who he was before Jesus interacted with the sinful woman. And Jesus calls this out. Simon, you failed to give me water for my feet. You failed to greet me with a, a cultural kiss, like a greeting. And you failed to anoint me with oil. Simon was inhospitable. His failure 
was sin. But Jesus teaches Simon why the sinful woman worships him as she does. We learn those who realize their sin debt for what it is respond in great love. Those who realize their sin debt for what it is respond in great love. The woman knows full and well the weight of her sin. It's true that she likely had a great deal of sin in her past. But it's important to note that you don't have to have a horrible past to love the Lord with a great love. I'm going to say that again because somebody does need to hear that. You don't have to have a horrible past in order to love the Lord with a great love. You just have to see your sin for what it is. What riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment. His life was the cost. We stood neath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. We stood neath a debt we could never afford. All you have to do is acknowledge that you stood underneath a debt that you could never afford. Not that you stood underneath a small debt that you could work your way out of with a little help from God. No. You have to realize you are in grave need of mercy. While our sins are many, his mercy is more. The parable helps us to see why it is that the Pharisee had trouble seeing this. A denarii is about a day's wage. So if you have a debt that is about 50 days, you can work that off in over about two months if you work really hard. But 500 days? 500 days? That kind of debt will crush you. That's not one you can easily work off. That's not a couple of tireless months. That's a year and a half that you might not come back from. And when both are canceled in the parable, we aren't left wondering why one responds with great love and the other responds with little love. One has been relieved of a nuisance, while the other has been freed from her slavery. You see, the other half of this lesson is that those who think lightly of their sin debt respond in very little love. Those who think lightly of their sin debt respond in very little love. If we're not careful we will fall into a forgetfulness like Simon. We tend to forget the gravity of our sin. We think lightly of our sin or worse of others' sin. We lose sight of God's hatred for sin. He hates sin. He hates sin so much that he would send his perfect son to die a gruesome death on the cross just to defeat sin of its power over you. He hates it. 
and he loves you. And so that when Jesus is dying on the cross, he's able to utter, it is finished. Right? Paid in full. What's paid? My sin debt. But we have to acknowledge the debt before it can be canceled properly. The the great thing about the parable is that it allows Simon and even us to judge for ourselves. Jesus said, you have judged rightly. You have evaluated your aspect, your perspective of the story just right. Judge for yourself. What about you? Do you love the Lord your God? Look at the outflow of your life. Judge today for yourselves. Do you love the Lord your God? Is your sin debt great in your mind? Is his mercy more? How does your gratitude for the forgiveness of sins compare to other seasons of your life? I was on fire for the Lord in college. What about now? Do you need a big conference or some light show to be genuine in your worship? Is your intimacy with Jesus becoming sweeter and sweeter over time? Or is it becoming more and more stale? Those who think lightly of their sin debt respond in very little love. If you don't see yourself as a wretch, you will not see God's grace as amazing. And then act three. Jesus gives the woman assurance of forgiveness. Jesus gives the woman assurance of forgiveness. This is in verses 48 through 50. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Notice something with me. The sinful woman doesn't say a word. Not a single word is recorded in this passage from her mouth. (laughs) This breaks our understanding of confession and repentance, doesn't it? Because it, it isn't mere words. It's an attitude of the heart. It isn't a work to be done. It is a worship in response. The woman loves Jesus and he turns to her and gives her a marvelous gift. Assurance. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Simple words uttered from the very one who has the authority to forgive sins. Only God can forgive the eternal debt of our sins. Only God can forgive the eternal debt of our sins. (laughs) Jesus proves his divinity that he is God 
and gives this woman eternal security in the same simple sentence. Your sins are forgiven. Let those words wash over you. The other guests at the table, likely other Pharisees and religious lawyers, more than likely all men, begin questioning this statement in their hearts. Who is this guy? Who is this guy that thinks he can forgive sins? They don't believe. They don't want to believe. Jesus is God and he has the authority to forgive sins. This is good news because we are not without hope. In fact, hope dines with us. One scholar says it this way, this dinner changed one person's life and it was the uninvited guest. She found hope. She placed her faith in that hope and that hope gave her peace. So our response must be faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. Don't wait for the perfect situation to come to Jesus. Don't wait. Come to Jesus as you are. It will be inconvenient. There's never a perfect time to start following Jesus other than now. It will be costly. You are going to have to sacrifice and surrender your life to the Lord Jesus. As he commands his disciples, pick up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross, follow me. You have to die to your way of life and you have to adopt the life of the kingdom following the king. It's going to cost you everything. And it's going to be messy. It's going to be messy because our sin is messy. And even being sanctified while still sinners <laughs> is messy. Nobody's expecting you to have it all together when you start to follow Jesus. We're all a work in progress when we choose to take up our cross. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be costly. It's going to be messy, but it's all going to be worth it because he is worth it. Jesus is looking for followers who are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. This woman didn't ask Jesus for anything, not a single word. She wanted Jesus because she was broken over her sin. She didn't want a perfect job. She didn't want a perfect lover. She didn't want a perfect life. She wanted Jesus. And you know what she got? Jesus. Which brings us to our main point for this evening. Jesus commends the love and worship of those whose sins have been forgiven. So what is our application? Love and worship Jesus greatly if your sins have been forgiven. Love and worship Jesus greatly if your sins have been forgiven. There's a phrase I've befriended in ministry. I cannot want it more than them. I cannot want it more than them. I can want it for you. 
I desperately want you to see Jesus as worthy of every ounce of your energy, efforts, time, and dime. He's worth it. But I cannot want it more than you. You have to want it for yourself. You have to see that only God can forgive the eternal debt of your sins and respond to that by repenting of your sins and believing in faith that Jesus fulfilled all that was required to save you from your sins in his death, burial, and resurrection. The risen one has overcome. If you have this saving faith, if you live in this peace, as Jesus commands the woman, go in peace. That's the obedience factor. Then your whole life will result in a great love of the Lord, a love for the Lord Jesus and the worship of his name. And if for some reason you've lost that sense of love and worship that you once had, it might be time to recline at table with Jesus, trusting that hope dines with sinners. <laughs>